0: This burning of the incense, the priest was the representative. Now, all the people didn't crowd into this little tabernacle. They couldn't have done it. In the Old Testament, the the priest represented the people, and he burned the incense and offered prayer on behalf of the people. But the value, the merit of it, was all for every one of God's people. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. It is a joy to come again to bring you the message of the gospel. And I pray today that the Lord will minister to your heart as we turn to the furniture of the tabernacle. We are going to look at the book of Exodus again and these descriptions of the items of furniture by which the priest worshipped the Lord. We have looked at the lampstand. We have looked at the table of showbread. Now we're looking at the altar of incense. This was where the priest ministered every day, hot coals upon the various uh, items or perfumes that raised a sweet fragrance unto God. This is a picture of the believer's prayer. and We need to realize how pleasing and how uh, pleasant the petitions, the prayers, the communion of God's people are to the Lord. He encourages us, everyone to pray, and every true Christian will have a prayer life. Now, there are many forms of prayer. There are uh, seasons of prolonged prayer. There is the ejaculatory prayer that we may offer to God as we walk along the road or drive our car even. You may offer prayer in any situation, but every believer will call upon God and I trust that today you'll stay tuned with us right through the program as we learn more of what it is to be a praying Christian. What are the marks? What are the essential parts of believing prayer? So stay tuned with us right through the program today, and I trust the Lord will minister to your heart. The Free Presbyterian Church, located in Cloverdale, uh, we have Sunday services, we have our uh, radio broadcast, and our sermon audio archive. You can go to the website, ca, and there you can uh, find these various resources, sermons archive from each of our Sunday meetings, and we trust they will be a help to you to encourage you in your walk with the Lord. And if we can be of any personal help, Feel free to let us know. Before we turn to the book of Exodus, we have Amanda Reed to sing for us How Great the Father's Love. true What you have in Exodus here is, in in the earlier chapters, you have the pattern given to Moses. And then in the later chapters, you have the final product. You have the building and the uh, positioning of the altar in the tabernacle. Exodus 37, verse 27. And he made two rings of gold for it under the crown thereof. Now, if you take your bulletin and look at the back page where you have a little picture of this altar of incense, how many rings show on that picture? Oh, two on each side, right, Two on each side. We assume that the one at the rear is fastened the same way as this. If we're going to be very strict in our depiction or graphics of this, this one's wrong this one's wrong. Now I thought, why do I put in something that's wrong? Well, the exercise will teach us. You see, there are only two rings, and they were in the opposite corners. It'd be like one here under the crown, and one here under the crown, and then the staves would go through so that it is carried and it is presented diagonally which mean those horns that were on the corners, each corner here, they were pointing north, south, east, and west. You didn't have pointing in the directions. They were pointing north, south, east, and west. Now, if you know how the encampment of the Israelites around the tabernacle, they all encamped in order according to their tribes, north, south, east, and west. And these horns were pointing to each one of the tribes so that... This burning of the incense, the priest was the representative. Now, all the people didn't crowd into this little tabernacle. They couldn't have done it. In the Old Testament, the the priest represented the people, and he burned the incense and offered prayer on behalf of the people. But the value, the merit of it, was all for every one of God's people. Now, coming back to the horn, chapter 30, verse 10, uh, this is very significant, these horns that were pointing in these different directions, uh, because every year they were the point of atonement. And Aaron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in the year shall he make atonement upon it. So the blood was upon those horns to associate it with atonement. And you may read about those who, in danger, they ran into the tabernacle or the temple, and they laid hold upon the horns of the altar. What were they doing? Pleading mercy. Pleading mercy. My friend, that's what prayer is. In our prayer life, there ought to be this holding to the altar, laying hold upon it, pleading mercy. And, of course, the prayers of our Lord Jesus uh, that empowers our prayers with the atonement. And, of course, Christ's work is efficient by his own death and by his own intercession. And, of course, Isaiah tells us that he uh, laid down his life and he made intercession for the transgressors those two things go together the death of our lord and his intercession at the right hand of god those two are imperatives to the efficiency and the power of the gospel in our lives now bring that down to how you pray first of all are you in the right place Are you laying hold upon these horns of the altar, pleading the mercy that comes through the very death of the Lord Jesus? And do you see here that the Lord targets you as his praying child? Let's think about that. The Lord says, I know my sheep, and I'm known of them. And he knows his sheep by name, but he also prays for us by name. Isaiah tells us that our names are in the palms of our Savior's hands. And he intercedes for us. He said to Peter in his hour of temptation and trial, he said, I have prayed for thee. I've prayed for thee. Our prayer life, the value we put upon it, will only be as strong as our understanding that when we pray, And we come in the name of the Lord Jesus that he's praying for us. You see, when you come to pray, you feel your weakest. That's why the prayer meeting is always the lowest attended meeting of the church. People find it difficult to pray. And when you go to the prayer meeting, what does the devil say? What are you doing here? You're not worthy to be a praying Christian. You might take the name of Christian, but don't open your mouth in prayer. Who are you? And he puts the magnifying glass on all our faults and our failures and our inconsistencies and and, and our weaknesses and makes us to feel so unworthy. And then we get the idea, well, God will never hear my prayer in any way. And my prayer will never go any higher than the ceiling. You see, the power of prayer, the value of prayer, is the intercessory work of the Lord Jesus. Put yourself in the mind of an Israelite. You came to the outer court, gave the priest the sacrifice. He shed the blood. He offered up the atonement. He took that blood into the tabernacle, and he took the incense and put the blood on the corners of the altar, and the incense now was rising to God. What's that priest doing? He's praying for you, praying for you. And our Lord Jesus is praying for us, And no matter how unworthy or how much a failure you are or how weak you feel, your praying has power because you ask in Jesus' name. And our Lord has taught us that whatsoever we ask in his name, that our Father in heaven will give it. You've got to grasp the power, the efficacy, the worth of praying and pleading, not to one who is reluctant but loves to hear the cries of your heart. And when you come in your weakness, and we're all weak, we have to confess it. And we come as tempted, tried individuals. What are we praying? Lord, give us strength. Give us power over sin and the flesh and the world. Lord, send your Spirit to fit, equip, and enable us to do your work. This is... Laying hold upon the horns of those altars for mercy. We don't come and say, Lord, I thank God I'm not as other men. That's how the Pharisee prayed. But the man who thumped his chest recognized that he was a sinner. He was heard. Why? Because our Lord intercedes for sinners. You're never forgotten. The horns of the altar are pointing to you. That's a very precious truth. And when the Lord Jesus is at the right hand of the Father, he's praying for you. Now, if you can go day after day after day in a prayerless state with that reality, that's strange. You see, this is an encouragement. This should thrill our hearts. This should fill us with the desire to come to the altar and minister. This office of the priest ministering incense was one of the most coveted and desirous positions. We know of John the Baptist's father. Uh, he was in the ministry of offering incense in the, t- in the temple. It's a wonderful office, it's a great privilege. Meet with God, and we come and we pray. Now, another way to look at this value of prayer in, in Exodus 30 is the perpetuation of the incense rising. It says in verse 7. Aaron shall burn thereof sweet incense every morning. And when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when he lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it. And so there was this perpetual offering, this perpetual work. The priests took shifts in this office. They were there continually, night and morning. Indeed, when the lamps were being dressed, every priest around enjoyed the aroma and this burning of incense with hot coals was to fill the room continually with this incense meeting with God at all times of day and night, foul weather and fair, in resting and in marching, because the coals never went out on this. There was provision that this, uh, this little rim around the top of the table when the coals were in and the incense was in, that it was able to be carried in their marchings and movement in the in the wilderness the incense still continuing and in all the movements and in all the changes of our lives this intercession of our lord continues for us there is never a time that we do not need the power of prayer and the value of prayer in our lives we're in the flesh we're in the wilderness and while we're away from god's final home and glory There's always going to be dangers and testings and trials. And so our Lord makes continual intercession for us. What a hope this gives us. What a strength it gives us. What value we need to place with God. Indeed, in Hebrews, it says that he ever liveth to make intercession. Do you know with the Lord there are no office hours? No nine to five? No time when the shutters are down? No time zones with God. You know how often when you're trying to phone someone on the East Coast and you didn't recognize the time zone difference? uh, They're gone. Everybody's gone. It's only three o'clock in the afternoon and everybody's gone. Can't get through. But our Lord continually intercedeth. God's door to the throne is always open. I read of Nehemiah. In an hour of tension, when he was standing at the side of the king, and he was offering up uh, or filling up the the cups, and he wanted to ask the king about going to plead for Jerusalem, it says, Nehemiah prayed unto his God. God heard him. Jonah, he could pray in the storm and the depth of the sea. Jacob, he wrestled with God all night and got through. There's never a time when God is closed." And for us, the patient going off to the OR, doesn't matter what time of day it is, morning, evening, or night, in our times of need, we can pray. Or if you're driving along a busy highway, you can pray. Or while you're in that flight and it's landing time, and you look out and all you see is this thick carpet of cloud, and you wonder, will the pilot ever find the airway, the runway? You can pray. doesn't matter if you're on ground or in the clouds. You can pray. Or maybe the little child that's afraid in the dark. Sometimes children have that problem. You can tell your child, God is always with you. And you can pray and ask for God's protection and peace. Even mom and dad are not here. Even it's the middle of the night and everyone else is sleeping. God will hear your prayer, God will hear your cry. Oh, the value of prayer. I think too often we miss it. And Isaiah tells us that his ear is not heavy, that he cannot hear, neither his arm shortened. God doesn't change. He, he delights to hear us. One more thing, one more thing about this, uh, this altar, this golden altar of incense, and I'll take you back, please, to chapter 37, verse 29, and that is the pleasure of God. The pleasure of God in the offering of this incense. It says, and he made the holy anointing oil and the pure incense of sweet spices, according to the work of the apothecary. Now, this is the before and after again, but this is the after now. He made it. He did it. And he got this, you'll notice the description, holy oil set aside, special for this purpose, The incense is described as the pure incense. Those two things, holy and pure. So that when those were heated by the hot coals, this aroma was pleasant. There was no stench of defilement. There was no putrefaction of some diseased element here. It was holy oil and pure incense. That's the life of our Lord Jesus, you know. And when our Lord is interceding at the right hand of God, and God looks upon his Son, what does he see? He sees purity, perfection. Now, in the book of Hebrews, much is made of this. It says, for such an high priest became of us who is holy, harmless, And undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who did not have to first make atonement for his own sins and then for others. No, this, our Lord Jesus, is our high priest who is interceding, and he is holy. He is pure. His praying is perfect pleasure to the Father. And then when we come to pray, and we pray in Jesus' name through the intercessory work of our Lord— it brings pleasure to the Father. His life is sweet. And you can rest on that. Ask in my name. That's what Jesus said. Let me tell you, the God who has saved your soul, the God who has redeemed you by the blood of his Son, will take pleasure when you're on your knees in prayer or when you're bowed at the kitchen table in prayer, or at your bedside, or in your bed, or wherever you pray, have you asked in Jesus' name? That prayer is acceptable to God. You see, we've got to learn these things, because if we don't understand the pleasure that comes to God from the heart of a redeemed sinner, and how he delights in the cries and the prayers of his children, the very voice of his children, we will not value prayer as we ought. This is a most holy and a most important part of living the Christian life. Wednesday evenings, right through this new year, we've been looking at a number of the kings. And when you read about King Uzziah, he is the impatient king and he ran into the tabernacle. He wasn't a priest, he was the king and he ran into the tabernacle. And because there was no priest immediately available, he took incense. And he was going to fulfill this office. And the prophet Zechariah, well, he uh, had taught him not to do this. And another priest called Azariah, he withstood him to the face and said, Uzziah, don't do this. But he insisted. And Uzziah, right there in the presence of God, became leprous. That white leprosy just sprung up on the brow of his head because he had sought to come without a priest. He wanted to come directly. He was a king, but he was not a priest. And he was a leper till the day of his death. The lesson is that you and I need the praying priestly work of the Lord Jesus. And while we are now as Christians, New Testament priests, and we can come right into the presence of God, but we must use the name of the Lord Jesus. And all those that are worshiping but will not use the name of Jesus, they're in danger. They're in danger. And I'm sure there are people in churches today, and I hope not in this church this morning, and you are coming, and you are praying to the God of heaven. But you're not trusting in the atoning work of the Lord Jesus and his intercessory praying. You do not have Christ as your mediator. You do not have him as the way to approach the Father. You would dare to come and insist on your own authority that you will come directly to God. No, there's one way to the Father, and our Lord Jesus is that way. And all are warned about worship— and about coming to God without a savior. Let me ask you this morning, do you pray? That will determine, first of all, if you're a Christian or not. You'll read of Paul the apostle, the moment that he was converted, behold, he prays. That'll determine if you're a Christian or not. A Christian prays. Now, a Christian is very often a defective prayer warrior. We're very limited. We're weak. We confess that. We acknowledge our weakness. God has given us a means of grace, a way of entering into the presence of God to worship him through the advocacy of the Lord Jesus. We come by the blood of atonement. We come through the finished work of the cross. And maybe there is someone here today, and you're not saved. You're not a Christian. And you're wondering, what is all this emphasis upon the name, the person, the work of the Lord Jesus? Well, it's the difference between approaching God acceptably And being totally rejected. And you need the Lord Jesus as your advocate, your Savior. He's the way to the Father. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. That's why God sent his Son. That's why God has given us to believe on him and to pray through him. Plead his grace. May the Lord lead you to be a worshiper through the name of the Lord Jesus.
1: You can contact us using our office number, which is 604-576-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please go to our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel